Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now. And if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. That was a real nice pitch right there. I hope he was able to keep going. Six shutout innings. A happy homecoming for Randy Dobnak. Uh, it was just really special for me to get out there and um, you know pitch on the mound that you know, I grew up coming to the game all the time. Um, and always thinking, me and my buddy, like, you know, how cool would that be to be out there, you know, pitching on that mound? Uh, today, it finally came true, and it's, uh, it's awesome. Randy Dabnag doing what all of us are doing, which is sounding like a tin can on Zoom. Yep. He's doing it after six shutout innings against Pittsburgh yesterday. And so we will include Randy Dobnak in our discussion, breaking a Twins game down like it's a football game. Also today, Doogie with a scoop session, inside information about your favorite local sports teams here on Mackie and Judd. A quick thank you to Luther Brookdale Toyota on the corner of 694 and Brooklyn Boulevard, where my family and I have been going for 30-plus years. And uh, a lot of these people, uh, some of the same faces that have been there since I was a kid, have moved up in management and whatnot. And so you can get the best of the best expertise and knowledge and friendliness in the service department and in the showroom area. And you can get into some durable, safe, and great new vehicles, 2020. Toyota RAV4s, Camrys, and Corollas. Go check out the website, LutherBrookdaleToyota.com, to find out more about various specials on uh, the service side and on the showroom side. Or just stop in. They've taken safety precautions for you, the customer, and for them, the staff, 694 and Brooklyn Boulevard. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. Enjoy more of the things you love with TCL. These two guys have Minnesota sports flowing in their veins. Mackie and Judd on Score North and scorenorth.com. Pretty uh, smooth, cool customer, uh, pretty much regardless of what he's doing. He just continues to pitch really well. Uh, he's, you know, we keep saying that every time he goes out there, and then he goes out there and does it again. So he won up himself uh, tonight, uh, and he looked great. Randy Dobnak, fun fact for you guys as we enter another discussion, breaking a Twins game down. Football. Like football, because a 60-game season is a sprint just like a football season. We're already like a fourth of the way through it, too, sometime in the next couple of days. Mm-hmm. Randy Dobnak has been a professional pitcher since 2017. He also pitched at least a couple of years um, in college. Randy Dobnak, so if you include his last two years of college at, let me get this right, <laughs> Alderson Brodus University or college? Is it University. I have no idea. Alderson Brodus. Where is it? It's part of the Great Midwest Athletic Conference. Okay. Oh, yeah. Couldn't tell you where it is. There you go. But, Declan oh, it's, knows it's, it. It's probably in Pennsylvania, I'm guessing, because he's yeah. in Pittsburgh. I don't know. But he's been pitching professionally or in college 
since 2016, all right, so for, for five seasons. Only twice has he ever posted a season ERA at any level above 3.14. He had a 3.14 ERA at Cedar Rapids, low A for the Twins in 2018. And as a junior in college at age 21, he had a 3.16 ERA at Alderson Brodus. Those are the two worst season ERAs he's put up since college. And that includes with the Twins, he's now made 12 appearances, 40 or 50 innings, somewhere in there, and a 1.25 ERA early on. At what point what are you saying? do we stop looking at Randy Dobnak as the fun guy with the handlebar mustache and the rec specs? And the Uber driver. And the Uber driver the guy. Uber driver, Uber driver story, guy. Don't forget about that one. And transition to, is this guy just like the best pitcher somehow that the Twins have in their starting <laughs> rotation right now? Oh, I think we need to see probably before we completely make that pivot and go and and forget about all the storylines involving a guy who uh, wears the rec specs. I think we probably need to go into 2021 and get through half the season and for him to be pitching really well. I mean, this is probably going to come back to earth to a certain point, and I completely get that. But I think if we get to, so let's say the 2021 baseball season's as normal as possible. I think if we get to around July and he's just still solid, I think all the storylines go. I think then it's just he's good. But it's been impressive so far, man. I mean, for a guy who I told both of you guys when they elected to start him in what, game two of the ALDS in Yankee Stadium last year, what the hell is Rocco doing? That was, and he bit off a little more than he and could And he did, that. he yeah. did, but you know what? You know what? He did, but he's bounced back, and here's, okay, I got I got a question for you, literally breaking baseball down as football because the comparison's going to be football. Football. It's a big picture, though. <laughs> Are the Minnesota Twins right now, and I know it's a weird year, and you're not playing a lot of games, and right now you're playing a lot of opponents that aren't nearly as good as, as you, partially because they're bad, but partially because you're really good. Are the Minnesota Twins Alabama right now? Like Alabama football? Alabama football. Roll Twins? Football. But are they Alabama? I mean, they're the best team in baseball. They're 10-2, and two, which is the best start for the franchise since it, it relocated from Washington in 1961. When I look at Baldelli, I see a lot of Nick Saban characteristics, too. They're dominating <laughs> opponents. They're di- it, fe- it feels it feels like they're like they're Bama. Do you think Saban and Rocco Baldelli would ever go to a fish concert and just Good smoke Lord. weed all night together? Rocco Baldelli is smart enough that if he got the opportunity to hang with a Saban, he would actually pick his brain would. extensively. Would Rocco wear the pleated khakis that Nick Saban wears? Privately, I bet he would. <laughs> I think Rocco. I think Rocco behind the scenes is a much different Rocco than we get. Oh yeah, in public. Yes. I think there's a side to Rocco that would be great fun to see. Does he have the mullet in the back like those John Clayton commercials that you saw on ESPN for all <laughs> That's, those years? I think, the, I think what they're alluding to in those commercials with our guy Clayton is sort of the Rocco, the Rocco lifestyle away from the ballpark and away from the spotlight, I think. But anyway. I'm done with my segment. <laughs> but Mom, I made a pitching change. Pizza rolls. <laughs> I'm not going to pitch it. All right, continue with the Alabama but are they? Are, I'm, I'm just saying in 2020, right now, are they Bama? Are they just the big bad? And there's the Yankees too, but you don't play it. This this would be to compare baseball to college football. This would be the Twins are in the SEC. The Yankees are uh, their own r- really quality great team, but they're yeah. in the take pick your conference. The ACC, the Big Ten. 
Um, but it just feels like in the bubble that the Twins are in right now and watching them beat up on some bad teams, but also just because they're good, they are, because of the schedule, the Crimson Tide. So I don't, I can't go that far because even if the Twins have the best record in baseball, they're, they're tied with the Cubs at 10-2 and two as we sit here and record this today, uh, late morning on this Thursday. So even though they are dominating and they're, and they're these, these weak opponents that you can say, well, they're playing the Pirates and stuff. Yeah, and they're just, the Pirates have zero chance. It's a non-conference schedule, that's what I'm saying. Zero chance. It's the non-conference game. portion of the Dude, schedule. The Twins were up one to nothing for two and a half hours last night, and then Max Kepler hits the bomb to break it open. Yes. And so And Al Cala came in and gave up a home run, but Taylor Rogers would have pitched that inning if it was close. A one nothing lead against the Pirates... Felt like it was six to nothing, didn't it? Did you guys? Did you guys look? Oh, at, you never feared. I sat there. Never, never feared for that lead. Yep. I'm with you totally. I, I watched the whole game. At no, at no point did I ever think the Pirates were going to even score a run. And all of a sudden, you look up. It's the eighth inning, and I was like, oh, "What is this?" It was coming back from commercial. I'm like, "What, what is the score again? Is it four four nothing? What are the? Oh, it's one nothing. It's one nothing." And it, it, it and they just choked the Pirates out. But back to your point. Until the Twins, this is this is the reality. Until the Twins beat the Yankees in a postseason series, they cannot be the Alabama of oh, anything. Yeah. And they 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 are the Gophers, and they have to prove it. Right. Is what's happening here. To be completely clear here, all right, I'm not saying in a normal year that I would ever make this comparison. What I'm saying is the Twins and the Yankees and the Dodgers and the Cubs are in their own little college conferences right now. And so they are absolutely... Oh, so you're saying in the American League Central, the, yes, twins, I, yeah, I, the twins are the I'm Alabama of the American in, League Central. I'm saying in the confines of a 60-game season that, that is very um, limited to the teams that you are allowed to or will play, Yeah, you are, you are the big bad team in the SEC. The Yankees are the Big Ten big bad team. That's what I'm... Yeah, no, if you had to go outside and start to play teams, it probably, it certainly does change. But when you're going to get – because the Twins now are going to go Cleveland, which I, is not a bad team. They can't really hit that well, but they clearly aren't as good as the Twins un, unless Bieber Fever is on the mound right now. But you're going to go Cleveland, you're going to go uh, Pittsburgh, and then Kansas City. It's the non-conference portion of the Alabama schedule. Yeah. So right now, how about this for, for fun? All right, breaking football. Football. Baseball, yeah. Football. Yeah. If the playoffs started today, here's what the matchups would be. These by, would be three games. By series. the way, they might. We don't know. That, <laughs> that rule could be changed in two hours. I love how the Marlins. The Marlins We're just took start a, the playoffs. The Marlins took a week and a half off, basically swapped out half their roster and brought up a bunch of minor league players, and then didn't allow a run in the first something like sixteen or seventeen innings back. And so the, the Marlins, percentage wise, they're tied with the Twins. Have a, they have a five one record? They have a, they have an eight thirty three win percentage. They are tied with they're the Twins. They're tied with the Twins in winning percentage, <laughs> and they played six games. So the seeds right now in the American League, Twins would be the one seed, which by the way doesn't even matter because you're not getting like no. a discernible home crowd advantage or anything. No, you know you'd at least get to as of right now you would get to play in your home ballpark. But I think that might even change. My guess is if fans aren't allowed in games. In October, then they go to some sort of bubble situation that would make more sense. Um, so, Twins, Yankees are the one and the two seed. Athletics at eight and four, are the three. White Sox are the four seed right now at seven and five, hanging tough. I'm like six or seven in a row right now. They're on a roll. They've won. They just lost. Okay, they just lost. But yes, and they've also they've allowed twenty more runs than the Twins. 
So uh, that's a problem for them. They can't really pitch. And they cannot field. And the Twins have scored more runs Unless than the White Sox. Unless that's changed, the White Sox are butchers in yeah. the field. But their lineup is fun, and they got a yeah. bunch of good young players. The Astros would be the five seed. The Indians, the six. Tigers, the seven. Ron Gardenhire's squad would be in the playoffs right now. <laughs> Orioles would be the eight. Blue Jays, the nine. Uh, no, that's, then that's the, uh, the eight seed would be the last seed. So you'd have the Orioles below 500 at five and six playing the Twins in a three-game series right now in which anything could happen. But I just feel like this Twins team is next level compared to last year's team. Their bullpen is better than it was. It's deeper than it was. And I just don't fear, even in a three-game series, if you have to play a team like the Tigers or the Orioles, I don't fear it a lot. But three-game series can be very crapshooty. You can fall behind a pitcher like Derek Holland 4 to nothing or something and <laughs> yeah. if you don't dig your way out of that hole. That weird stuff can happen. So Pucks can go off uh, breezers. That's right. It happens. They can, get tipped in fr- they can get tipped in front. This is true. Truly, baseball has become my sport. It truly has. Like, you're going to it's a beca- best two or oh, three. It's become hockey. It's become hockey. Okay. It's become hockey without a question. Like, you are going to have, that first round is going to have what, guys? Minimum probably of two just shockers. But, and, but and they're actually, not shockers, but they're going to be. It's The Tigers are going to make the second round. Like something like that. The Orioles are going to make the second round, and we're all going to be like, "Well, they were, but they wanted to lose." Absolutely, that is that. That I feel like it was a huge mistake not to allow sixteen teams in. That was I like the sixteen team playoff for this season, and I actually like a fourteen team playoff long term with some sort of wild card shootout. But I don't like not rewarding the top seeds. I just I feel like mm-hmm. I almost feel like the first round should have been something like. The top seeds have to win twice, and the bottom seeds have to win three times, or something. Like you should, if you're there the, should have been some incentive. Yes, I, I'm with you on that. If the twin, let's say the twins finish 41 and 19, which is actually very realistic. If they finish like 41 19, the rate they're going, that's a lot of losses. And the Orioles or the Blue Jays or one of these teams that's kind of hovering around the eight seed or the Tigers finish below 500, even in a shortened crapshoot COVID season. Just kind of seems a little unfair that it's a three-game series oh, yeah. in which anything can happen, yeah. but it'll yeah. be fun to watch. No. Football. Anyway, that's my that's my endorsement for the Twins to be the Crimson Tide of, of baseball. Okay. That's my endorsement because basically your non-conference schedule, if you're in the American League Central, is glorious. All right, here's the next topic for you, and I'm kind of playing into something you guys already brought up earlier in the week, but... Mitch Garver, who hit 31 home runs in just 359 plate appearances last year. So he he played at a 50 home run pace, if you would have carried that pace out over the course of a full season. He's played eight games so far. He has struck out in 12 of his 31 plate appearances. He only has one extra base hit, and he's batting 125. Mitch Garver, are you guys guys panicking yet? I'm going to let... My guy Dex, take this. Oh man, he called this a week ago. So go ahead, Declan. I'm very concerned. He just looks he looks overmatched, man. And I don't know if it's just rust, if it's just hey, I'm looking at a small sample size of what 36 at bats. Is it overreaction? Yes, but baseball is football right now, so I'm very much overreacting. And he was a late bloomer to start. So what? He really didn't. I think he's only 28. He's already 28, 29 years old, and I think pitchers adjusted to him. And I'm not going to be the person that says, well, it was juice baseball. Juice baseball is the reason Mitch Garver hit 29 home runs in, you know, 100 games last season. I think that's unfair. But I am a little concerned that pitchers have figured him out a little bit. And 
this Twins lineup's good enough where if Mitch Garver is even an MLB average hitting catcher, it's not the end of the world. But his bat, if if he was who he was in 2019, that is just another stick in the pond that they're going to be able to to hit more home runs. So I'm a little worried. I'm very worried about Mitch Garver's offense. Very I'm concerned. I actually will be a little bit unpa- Mr. Unpanicky oh, here, I guess. Oh, I'm wow. not going to completely okay. panic here. Uh, I'm going to give this more time. The the thing about this is, too, I would probably be more concerned if this was a normal season and he got off to a terrible start. But the parameters of this year are so different and so weird that I'm going to give it more time to see how it plays out. And you know what? If the reality of Mitch Garver is... He's somewhere in between the the Ruth uh, Ruthenian character that we saw in 2019, you know, Johnny Bench, Carlton Fisk, and and he's not that guy. Yeah, guys need guys need a minute, but he's in the middle. I think that's mm-hmm. fine. I think that's fine. Um, so I'm going to give this more time. To Declan's point, I do think the at bats at times and the approach are a little bit alarming, but it can play out. A bit, and and I do think that we need probably to stop w- with the expectation that he was going to bounce right back, fill off a 2019, and be that guy immediately. But he definitely can't be this guy right now because this guy is looks at times lost at the plate. So just to, just to calm everybody, I don't think it is time to panic over the first week and a half of the season. Not like Byron Buxton, by the way, ripped a double last night. So yeah, I'm let's see more of that. Yeah, yep, like yep. you are. Yep. Congratulations, <laughs> you and you and Dex, man, your Sano prediction, Rosario. It, it's unbelievable. Well, wait a second. I mean, based on what what Judd Zolgat was saying about Buxton, if Buxton gets three extra base hits in a week, it should be a home run. Should be a home run based yeah, on your based. level of panic okay. from earlier this week. Hey, I want to see the approach come back at the plate. Okay, that's all I want to see. Byron Buxton to me is too gifted not to be good. Yep. So on Mitch Garver, okay, Mitch Garver's a really good hitter. He's not. He's certainly not. Mike Trout caliber top hitter in baseball. He had a great pop-up season. His minor league numbers were good, but not spectacular. So I, I think he's probably something between, like Declan kind of said, and one of you guys just said this, he's not as good as he was last year long-term, but he's much better than the way he's played in the first eight games. He's probably like, over the course of a 162-game season, he's probably a guy that's going to hit 20 to 30 home runs and hit some doubles, and last year was the best he's ever going to be as a pro. But just to illustrate how baseball works sometimes, and how two weeks, three weeks, a month, even the best hitters in the world can look like garbage because that's just what happens. It's a really hard sport, and sometimes you go into slumps. Mike Trout, last year, my, my thought was, I'm sure like Mike Trout was ridiculous last year. Mike Trout was, I mean, he's been Hall of Fame caliber for his whole career. Mike Trout hit 300 last year or close to it. He got on base at a 438 clip. He slugged 645, 45 home runs, 110 Run scored, 104 RBIs, just bonkers production for Mike Trout last year. But did you guys know, between April 20th and May 9th, so a three-week stretch, mm-hmm. April 20th to May 9th, mm-hmm. he batted 220 with one home run in 17 games. <clears throat> Excuse me. And he struck out 13 times in 59 at-bats, which is probably in line with his career rate. But uh, he hit, he hit Mike Trout hit 220 for three weeks in the middle of a season in which he had 40 home runs and an OPS over 1,000. So even the best hitter in the world can look like garbage for three weeks. And uh, if Mike Trout can look like that for three weeks, then guys like Mitch Garver and Byron Buxton can... 
can also have permission to slump for the first 10 games or so of, of a pandemic. So. I enjoy panicking more. <laughs> of course you do. Just trying to be calm is not, not as much. My Buxton concerns on Wednesday are far more fun for me than my Garver non-concerns on Thursday. I like panicking more. I like this football thing. Hey, what are we to make of the, the fact, too, that if you go through the Twins lineup right now, you got a lot of guys who aren't exactly knocking the cover off the baseball. Nelson Cruz is. But what are we to make of the fact that this team is 10-2 and two and, and you know, the whole Bomba squad thing, it's sort of started. So I, I don't want to paint this as they're not going deep because they are at times. But we've got a lot of guys here who, who you know, not surprisingly have not hit their stride yet offensively. And you played 12 games, and you've won 10 of those 12 games. You should be a lot more worried if, yeah, I, I think you should be a lot more worried if, like, their production had a bunch of flukes built into it, right? And maybe you could argue that Randy Dobnak allowing one run through his first three outings is a fluke, or that Kenta Maeda pitching as well as he has early on is a fluke. And so I, I could listen to those arguments. I don't think the bullpen performance has been a fluke to this point. Maybe it's overperformed a little bit, but I don't think it's. I think they have really good relievers. I think you're right. Yeah, I think hey, Tyler Duffy already has ten strikeouts in like a week. Uh, he, he's ridiculous. I'm in. I'm back in. I, I was. I questioned him. I questioned him. You, you told me no, you this guy's you were good. Frontal. Yeah, I was very frontal about it. I'm, yeah, I'm no, you didn't it. question him. You took them apart. I'm the kind of man who admits when I'm wrong. And let me tell you, I'm usually wrong. So I have no problem <laughs> admitting that I'm completely wrong. And love, Tyler Duffy's sick. My favorite part about Declan is his ability to admit that he's wrong, but also he walks up to the plate with confidence every single time. Yes. Take that swing, The baby. most dangerous guy in the world, man. <laughs> I got this. Don't worry about it. Dude, the house just burned self, down. I thought I had it. Self-awareness and self-confidence. Yep. It's exactly who I am. It's a great, it's a great combination. Tyler Duffy, I told you guys last week, and you called the hot take police on me. I said Tyler Duffy might be the Twins' best relief pitcher. Mm-hmm. He has pitched in five games, five innings. He has allowed one base runner, one base runner in five innings, ten strikeouts. That's ridiculous. Oh, it's it's crazy. That's absurd. It's crazy. The top portion of that bullpen, which is what, four to five guys deep, four guys at least deep, yeah. uh, is for real. Like I, I will be surprised if they if they were to slump and come back to earth, I don't I don't think that's gonna happen. Um Rogers, Duffy, um, Romo with his stuff, which you know is Coil. not great, but it gets by. Scandella. Over Cl- to Stacek. Clippard. Um, Back to Clippard. Uh, Rollison, Fernandez, <laughs> Suter, Spurgeon, Sekarash. <laughs> no, I think the bullpen is for real. And, and here's my here's my thought about the potential Dobnik regression conversation too. I think it's very fair to expect that the regression of Dobnik will be met with the the increased success to some level of Jose Barrios. I agree with that, and and Jacob Derizzi will emerge yes. from the so, dead. At some so so I think if I think if uh, the Dobniks of the world come back to earth, I think there's guys who aren't necessarily going to be lights out Colfax type of pitchers. But I do think that those guys will then just catapult the Dobniks, and you will be ultimately okay. They also have these. This is this front office came in and said, "All right, we're going to totally overhaul all of our pitching philosophies. We're going to retrain pitchers how to miss bats. We're going to get away from pitch to contact." Although our guy Dick Bramer went on a mini oh, rant last God, night about how dude. 
Pitch to contact works. It works. See? Oh, and he got more no to buy in. He made Justin. Justin was a accomplice. I mean. Rand- I wouldn't charge him, but he was an accomplice. Listen, like, it's oversimplifying it to say the pitch to contact works. If if you aren't missing bats, your pitching staff is going to give up a lot of runs. And that is the worry with Randy Dobnak is that he's not a huge strikeout pitcher. And that's like you're kind of waiting for. It's very Scott Diamond-like where how long can you really do this and rely on your shortstop and your left fielder to make every play? But the thing I'm most impressed about by this front office coming in a few years ago and they've they've put together new development systems and scouting systems and, all right, we're going to maximize your pitch repertoire and we're going to get into the weeds with analytics. There's all these random dudes that pop up. Cody Stashak was one of them. Like Cody Stashak. doesn't walk anybody he's, for he's the awesome. most part. Five innings, he has put... Uh, three guys on base in five innings. He has struck out nearly half the batters he has faced. And then this guy, okay? Mm-hmm. Matt Whistler. <laughs> yeah, who was pitching Who the hell is Matt Whistler? Where <laughs> did he even come from? This is the thing about... where. Like, Was he even in camp three months ago? Uh, yeah, they signed him in the winter, and I believe he was with he was with the Mariners and somebody else last okay, year. They selected him off waivers and it by wasn't the great. Mariners. It wasn't great. Okay, so here's the one thing. He has lights out. Falvey, Levine, West Johnson... And probably, um, I'm sure Rocco plays some some role here. Here's the thing that we didn't, that I never thought about or expected from when these guys came in to replace the previous um, staff. They, I thought, okay, they're going to go out and trade for and develop and draft pitching, right? Because they're pitching guys. Mm-hmm. Falvey comes from Cleveland. He's a pitching guy. I didn't realize the strategy is not that. Yes, you draft guys, and yes, at times you trade for them. But the deep strategy, the strategy that goes beyond, way beyond what we ever thought about was you basically go to your neighbor's uh, garbage on Wednesday and you say to yourself, they're throwing that out, huh? <laughs> That's a, you know what? They're going garage sailing. That footstool, that footstool, I mean, yeah, it's missing some stuff, and there's a <laughs> nail out of it, but boy, if I take that to my garage and I... I can repair that. I, I, put, I could put that on a, eBay. Get a couple a, bucks for that. There's a stain on that ottoman. I can get a little magic eraser <laughs> exactly. and get that out. And my neighbor <laughs> threw the damn thing out. And so you haul that SOB back to your house. You Dude. put it in your garage and you go to work and you varnish that sucker up. And it's Matt Whistler. Matt Whistler. <laughs> this, this is amazing. All right? I, I knew nothing about Matt Whistler until watching him on TV on Fox Sports North like a week ago. So the Twins did exactly what Judd said, okay? The Twins went to the American League waivers garage sale and said, all right, <laughs> let's, uh, let's see what we got here. What, uh, we're looking for some strikeouts. Let's see what we can, let's see what we can gather here. Okay, who, what's this? This is a Matt Whistler. Okay, what's the price tag? Well, he had a 4.7 ERA in 2015. He had a 5 ERA in 2016. He had an 8.35 ERA in 2017. Ooh, big improvement to 4.5 in 2018. And then a 5.61 ERA in 2019. I'm going to buy that. I'm going to buy that. Piece of junk, garbage. And the Rangers picture. are like, what are you doing? And everyone looks over like, are you sure? Like, sure about that? All right. You we're, serious, Clark? Uh, we'll actually pay you to take that off the lot. And then they bring him in, they put some pitching magic dust on him, and yes. he has now pitched, he's pitched five and two-thirds innings. He has struck out nine of the 23 batters he has faced. His strikeout rate is 14 strikeouts per nine innings. I get it's a small sample size, but the fact that they can just go to the relief pitcher garage sale but this is and what they snap do. their fingers, and he's like their seventh reliever, too. 
So you bring this guy in and like, oh, we might use him in a key spot, but probably not. But he's going to strike everybody out. So right. whatever. Unbelievable. But like they, they came into the Twins' house and in the corner of the room sat a Duffy. <laughs> and the Twins, I'm sure the Twins' um, previous administration was like the Duffy ain't uh uh-uh, the Duffy Duff. don't the Duffy don't work it just don't work we we've, we've been trying to start the Duffy and it don't work <laughs> here's our advice put it in in the garage sale or or have have a company come and take the Duffy off your hands cuz the Duffy don't work right. and Derek and Thad and Wes and those guys were like oh no the Duffy's going to be fine and they're like no it's not it doesn't start we've tried to start the Duffy for 2 years and sure enough they got their guy and the Duffy it doesn't only start now. It's a key piece of the is room. It, is it fair to say that their top seven relievers, I'm going to even say, I'll say in order, their top seven relievers are Taylor Rogers. I think Duffy might be better, but Taylor Rogers, Tyler Duffy, Tyler Clippard slash Sergio Romo, Trevor May, and then some combination of Cody Stashak and Matt Whistler. Those are like their, those are their seven yeah, best relievers, right? Anybody. Yeah. They also have used Lewis Thorpe, Devin Smeltzer, Zach Littell, Jorge Alcala, and Caleb Thielbar. But those are like the seven guys. Okay? Yes. yes. Those seven guys have combined to allow two runs so far this season. Yeah. That's ridiculous. Stashek walked a guy and people freaked out because yeah. he doesn't walk people. <laughs> it's amazing. Wait. So, one, more, one more thing off the bullpen. And Phil, I'm going to ask you this question because you have the most experience in having covered this team um, and seen and seen almost a, a pushback against the mentality that we saw last night. And that is this one. How does it make you feel now watching a guy like Alcala come in and absolutely for a second consecutive time? And I know it's it's not yet refined, so I'm not saying that, that he's a lights-out pitcher, but how does it make you feel watching him pitch and see that radar gun and to see that? Because how many teams did we used to see would do that to the Twins, and the Twins were like, no, 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 we're pitched to contact, yeah. we, we don't have that guy. Um, but your thoughts on watching a kid that looks like it absolutely throw darts? Yeah, it is, uh, it's fun, because really the only guy that threw that hard, aside from Glenn Perkins, Glenn Perkins, at times when it was hot outside in July, would get into the upper 90s, like 97, 98, he was never a 100 guy. But he was mostly like 93, 95, if I recall right. The only guy that really ramped up in the era that I covered the Twins, near 100 miles an hour, was Jim Hoey. Yay. And Jim Hoey might as well have been blindfolded on the mound. Yep. Like, as soon as as soon as soon that dude's lanky windup went into effect, the batter was, like, ducking, and the umpire was like, oh, my God. <laughs> he had no idea where his 100-mile-an-hour fastball was going. And it's kind of cool to see that the Twins can take this 24-year-old arm, this Jorge Alcala. He's not really going to pitch in any pressure situations right now. Like last night, he doesn't come into that game unless it's the Pirates and a five-run lead. Right. He just doesn't. Right, absolutely My ge- I didn't see who was up, but I'm guessing Taylor Rogers would have come in if it was a one nothing or 2 nothing game. Taylor Rogers comes in, gets the save. But they can just run a guy out there who's 24 years old with a ton of upside and have him just throw 97-mile-an-hour bullets with movement mm-hmm. and see if they can refine him. It's It's a really great spot for him to be in. And you know what? Let's say you get into a spot where your bullpen is tacked or it's a double header of some kind and you have to turn to your seventh or eighth reliever on your roster and Jorge Alcala's on that list. Well, better to have him throw a 97 and have a chance to get some swings and misses and some ugly contact than to have a pitch to contact mop up guy like what Anthony Swarzak used to be, right? <laughs> We're going to get him. He's going to come in and he's just going to eat innings. 
and give up 100 runs. <laughs> it, always, it always used to baffle me why the Ron Gardenhire era twins, and they weren't the only team. There's a lot of teams like this. They would essentially have their staff crafted with five starters and then six or seven actual relievers. And then there would always just be a guy on the staff with a six ERA that was there to eat innings. Oh, he's just going to be the guy that comes in. And I, think that's the, like, I think that's just, the old school, this is what Terry Mulholland is 100 yeah, years old. Yeah, but they're, but they're southpaws, and they're considered to be crafty, despite the fact they're crappy. Or you could just bring a good reliever in. I know, but I think that's the old school baseball. We got this guy, and he's a lefty, and he's been pitching since 78. And watch him, <laughs> watch him deal. But Alcala is fun to watch because this is, I mean, this is a philosophy that we didn't see and my God, he throws hard. I mean, he comes in and he's got, and yes, he, his control's not great yet. I think it's probably going to come. And Josh Bell hit that two-run homer. But all of that being said, it's such an old-school untwins thing to have that guy just sort of trot in and then just be throwing darts. I'm trying to think of some of the guys that the, the Twins had in this category when I covered it. It was it was always like. Like uh, that Phil Dumatre guy, he was oh, more God. he was more of a lefty specialist. But like they always had to have that's the other thing they had. They always had to have some sort of like breaking ball throwing, soft tossing lefty that you would never put in against a right handed hitter. So Ron Mayhay, Dennis Reyes, mm-hmm. Phil Dumatre, these guys that <laughs> uh, Dusty Hughes, Jeff, Jeff Manship was Jeff Manship was a righty. Was I he think. a righty? Yeah, Reyes sweated a lot, right? He did sweat. Yes. Didn't he oh sweat God, quite a bit? A little hyperhydrosis problem yeah. there. Yeah, he was he was a brand new proof of that. That's very nice yeah. of you to have it, not just called sweat. Yeah, it's like all right. Well, we're down by three, so let's bring in the let's bring in the guy who throws underhand to eat some innings. <laughs> It'll be great. No, not this Twins team. This Twins team just has lights and out last thing, dart throwers from last night. Damn, this defense is good now. Football. Did you guys see the play that, that on the shift in shallow right field a rise made diving yeah, in play. the outfield yeah. diving backhanded play. A year ago, he don't make that play. Yeah, he and he's been grinding at the play. I'm glad they got a hit down the left field line just to get out of his own head. But it's amazing. Like to go back to what you said earlier, this team has like five really good players that haven't, even, maybe even more that haven't clicked yet. Yeah, Arise is one of them. Buxton, Donaldson, uh, Garver for Garver, sure. Like they haven't clicked yet, and they're sitting here at ten and two. They're in the playoffs at this point. So just they, smooth this, this thing could, out. Actually, get to October. Actually, I got it. Do you know what you do? Hmm. You claim COVID outbreak, stop your season. You're in the playoffs. Well, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. Uh, I wouldn't want to take another month long break yep. without facing major league hitters, though. So, Although the Marlins, major league pitching. The Marlins did win again yesterday, and they're five and one, and they have the best winning percentage. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. No, you just go back to playing summer ball uh, scrimmages. Until the playoffs are coming. I mean, I guess it worked the it, it worked to get the Twins to a 10-2 start. You know so who's going to be sharp so. then? Rich Hill. Take that to the bank. Donaldson will be fine. <laughs> this is a good idea. Well, that's breaking down a Twins game like football. it's a football game. <laughs> Let's get Doogie in here next for a scoop session. Inside information about our local sports teams. Let's just see. He texted us a little tease here. Uh, he's got some information on Delvin Cook and Everson Griffin. Hey-o. Interesting. All right. But a, a quick thank you first to Federated Mutual Insurance Company. Federated is here for you business owners in the state of Minnesota. They've been around since the early 1900s in Owatonna. And during this pandemic year, they have been providing trusted resources and expertise uh, 
to all kinds of different types of businesses. You can find a full list of industries that Federated protects on their website, federatedinsurance.com. You just, if, if you're looking to shield yourself against everyday challenges or block risks that could land your business in a tough situation, Federated is the company and the partner for you. They measure their success by the success of their clients and partners. So remember, at Federated Insurance and FederatedInsurance.com, it is our business to protect yours. All right, Mackie and Judd, and every Thursday we welcome our friend Darren Doogie Wolfson to the program. You can find him as part of the 5 Eyewitness News sports team, KSTP.com, and also host of the Scoop podcast on ScoreNorth.com, Apple and Spotify, inside information about our local sports teams. But, Doogie, we got to start with Mousegate. Give us an update on Mousegate at the Wolfson household. Phil, it's DEFCON 1 at the Wolfson household. I literally just came from there. So I just came from the car, just got here to Hubbard Broadcasting. The missus is trying to overcome her fear. Like, she is hallucinating. I'm with her, by she the way. She is out of control. <laughs> Trust me, Dawn's told us that yeah, via yeah, Facebook. I am a wuss. I yeah. can't stand Well, it. I'm glad you admit that because Dawn told us that via Facebook in a conversation last night. Yeah, but anyway. There was some wine in play there, I'm sure. Well, although she did say you're very good. When it comes to rabbits and squirrels, so I guess your yard, your palatial estate there in the West Metro, you I must shovel, have this spacious yard. I shovel them up and stick them in yeah. bags and so throw them in the garbage. So she did give you some credit. But anyway, the missus is trying to overcome her fear. Because, so, Droogie had a baseball game last night, has another game tomorrow. So, no shock, his uniform needs to get washed. So I said, hey, just give it to me. I'll throw it in the laundry. No problem. I'll throw it in the washer. I'll go down there. She's like, no, I want to go down there, but can you come with me? So I literally (laughs) had to escort her down into our basement to the laundry room. But yeah, last night alone, last night alone, we have some poison down. Now people, you you take the temperature of of Twitter, and some people say you don't go the poison route, and I get it. Oh, we go poison. They eat it, then, then who knows where they end up dying, right? right? They, they end up die dying in the walls or something. Yeah, yeah. They, exactly. They, they, dis- they disintegrate. It doesn't matter. It's fine. The poison's good. It, it, I've got it, the poison down. You're right. But yeah, last night alone, three of them. I disposed of three mice mm. just last night, and mm. I don't get it. Way to go. Here in the middle of summer. Yeah, I'm with you. Like, I would get it if it was December, November, yeah. January, early August. I am. Utterly and completely baffled. We had one. The quarantining. So, yes, they might be. They might be. So we, we were in our kitchen a couple nights ago, and it was probably like 10, 30, 11 at night. And there, one came out from below our stove. And, it's, and it saw me and retreated quickly. But so did you, by the way. They don't really see, though. My understanding is <laughs> well, felt, their vision it, is, like, incredibly limited. It they felt my presence. It felt yeah. my presence. But my point is this is a brazen act. Like, this is robbing a bank at noon with the lunch crowd there. This is <laughs> These mice have become brazen. These mice have become they, – they're challenging us now. And by the way, Dukes, you, do ne- you don't ever have to go on Twitter or Facebook with a picture of dead mice, which, by the way, is fine. And <laughs> did, say, you, did you post the dead and, mouse? And say that it I was did. humane. Yeah. Dukes, you don't. I know. Okay, that cr- I had Peter, a couple tweets away. saying there's no such thing as killing anything in a humane way. You killed but, it, right? But you did so the right thing. So it wasn't thing. humane. Right, but, this, but this, is, this is a mafia hit by you, and I love it. Doogie, did, did they have X's over their eyes? <laughs> like in the cartoons? I'm telling you, Phil. <laughs> we can laugh and, and chuckle all we want about this. I'm telling you, I need an expert to my house, ASAP. 
There is a blank check waiting for you. There really is. <laughs> and what did, did the and experts more, tell you? I don't even know. Well, the experts said you need to find point of entry, which I'm working on. The old houses, man. the issue man. is, yeah, old our house was built in the early 60s. Yeah, it's tough. The issue is these mice literally can fit through a hole yeah. the size of a dime. Yeah. Dang. Do you know how many holes I must have around the foundation of my house? They could be getting in from any number of locations. Oh, we're, but we're that's the, the key to, to, yeah. to fill up those holes so they can't even get into the house to begin with. But that's the issue. I can't exactly find where they're getting in. Well, wait, wait, wait. Guys who work in sports like us have no business trying to fill in holes in the foundation of our, our houses. Yeah. In fact, we would probably collapse the entire house if we did that. Agree. That's why I'm willing to cut a check, right? Just... Somebody. Oh. If somebody's watching this or listening to this right now, Anybody. I'm pretty easy to locate. Just track me down. Actually, Declan's the one on the show that has, has flexed the most about killing rodents and animals. Yeah. Like Declan is, is probably the most like heartless when it comes to killing things that were breathing in some form. My, mice freak me out. With? Mice freak me out. I do have a problem with mice. But like squirrels, rabbits, bunnies, yeah, no, I have no problem taking... I find it weird shovel. that you're willing to take a shovel to a rabbit, but a, but not a, but a mouse is mm. is a line because they're outside decks. Yeah, because they're outside. Okay. Yes. Because if you if, if you house, whack it outside, story. yeah, you just walk away. Yes. You got to clean up the mice. Do you end up Declan slamming one of those girly drinks? I can't even remember what the heck they're called. Uh, they're in our fridge at home, but I can't even your, remember. You mean your your normal masculinity? Uh, uh, white claw. The white claw. The white, yeah, claw? Don't, don't, the white claw. Do you okay. slam one of the white claws and then just go to work? Yeah, don't bring that toxic masculinity yeah, yeah. into the Mackie and Judge show yeah, here. This is, a, this is a seltzer, pro seltzer <laughs> show. Very Seagal of you, dudes. I liked it. Yeah. All right, Doogie, give us an update. You have updates on Delvin Cook and Everson Griffin. Vikings also trying to shuffle guys in and out of the COVID list. So let's start with Delvin Cook. What do you got for us? I think the deal gets done. I don't know if it gets done by the time he talks to us. He's scheduled to talk to us on August 14th. I think that's an interesting day to circle. But I think it's when, not if. I do. I think the deal absolutely gets done. Rick Spielman the other day on a Zoom call with us. Jed, I don't know if you were on that call on on Monday. I was but, not. You know, even going back any number of months, going back to the combine, I mean, Spielman publicly has gushed about just how valuable Dalvin is. Gary Kubiak has done the same. They realize that they need to take care of him. He's one of their own. He's done everything right. He's a key to their offense. I think he's a key to how much success they have this season, presuming there is some semblance of a season. So I'm just telling you, my senses, the way talks are going, that there's been some positive trends that I think it's going to happen. Uh, with Pierce gone now and defensive tackle being up in the air, Dukes, do you see them possibly – Bringing in a, a guy like my guy, Snacks Harrison, or do you think that they're going to probably try and go with uh, Shamar Stephan and Watts and go from there? Well, what's interesting on Watts is he's now on that COVID-19 reserve list, right? Yeah. So yeah, it just went on. I don't have all the particular details there, but he might be on for a bit. Like, I can tell you one of the players currently on the list, Cam Smith, mm -hmm. hasn't been showing symptoms, but he remains on the list. Or look at the twins, like Nick Gordon. Have we heard any sort of update on Nick Gordon going back a month? No, he's still in Florida. He's Last still on that list. Yep. So you just don't know when it comes to, to Watts. I can tell you, Judd, that it's more agents calling the Vikings, right? After agents saw, hey, you make this transaction for P.J. Hall, but then he ultimately fails his physical, a lot of agents, the agents for Snacks Harrison, for Mike Daniels, for you name the available guys, Jernigan is another name. There's a bunch of free agent defensive tackles. All these agents are being proactive. They are calling Rob Brzezinski. They are calling George Payton saying, hey, sign my guy. So far, 
there's no traction on that, but I wouldn't completely dismiss that idea. Hey, on, just real quick on the on the Dalvin front, do you have any idea what kind of financial parameters we could be looking at? Well, I mean, I think if you look at the Derrick Henry contract, four years, fifty million, what is it, twenty five and a half million guaranteed? I mean, those are parameters in which to work off of. I do think Dalvin is asking for a little bit more. We can debate if he's worth more that, that, than Derrick Henry. Man. Durability wise, yeah. Henry, right? Yes. Passing game wise, Cook in a blowout. Derrick yep. Henry is a non factor in the passing game. So it depends on how you want to slice and dice it. But you could argue, you know, just like Dalvin here, I mean, that Titans offense goes as Derrick Henry goes. So I think those are interesting parameters. I was told that he would happily take the David Johnson deal. You know, well, David's now with yeah. the Texans, but David signed in Arizona three years. 39 million a couple years ago. So I think those are working numbers. That's too much for my blood. That, too. That's too too rich. The Henry contract to me is probably fair. Uh, do, do we also think that the Vikings are going to invest the five mil that they got back from Pierce opting out for 2020? Do we think that that's going to go towards Dukes another acquisition, possibly a defensive tackle or corner? Or is that more likely to go to Dalvin in what could become, I guess, a front loaded deal for 2020 and then go from there? I could see more the latter than the former, but that being said, Judd, I was told they made Everson Griffin an offer. It was a low offer, but if a guy like Everson or maybe some vet defensive back or some other vet defensive end, you know, Ziggy Ansa's out there, some other guys are out there, not that the Vikings have shown any interest in Ansa or other defensive ends, but I'm just saying if a guy is willing to take their offer, albeit maybe the vet minimum, but if a guy's willing to take their offer... I think the Vikings would happily take a veteran, but I think the likelihood is more the latter, not the former, that the Vikings give Dalvin a raise here for the 2020 season. Right now he's scheduled to make, what, about $1.4 million, which is like 35th among running backs in the entire National Football League. Everson Griffin. Yeah, I mean, they've made him an offer, Phil. They've made him an offer. Now the 49ers are the latest team to hop in. The 49ers had Ansa and Deion Jordan, two free agent defensive ends, in for visits earlier this week. So the 49ers are, are making some calls. You know, the Seahawks have kicked the tires. The Cowboys have kicked the tires. The Giants have kicked the tires. The Raiders have kicked the tires. There's a bunch of teams that have at least inquired about Everson. The Packers have as well. But my sense is nothing is, like, imminent, but... Like, the days are, are winding down here. I mean, pretty quick here. Teams are going to be on the field. So if you're Everson, you better make up your mind pretty darn quick. But I do know that the Vikings have made him an offer. Is there bad blood at all there? Like, do, do things have to be, do feelings have to be smoothed out before I he comes back? I don't think so. I think Everson feels indebted to the Vikings, the team that took a chance on him a number of years ago when he fell all the way to the fourth round. And everything he went through publicly a couple years ago, Les Pico, others with the Vikings, have done so much work, you know, to get Everson back to the right mental state that my sense is that, that Everson doesn't have any bad blood towards the Vikings. Wolves' potential sale is where right now, Dukes? I'm told that there is a group that has exclusive negotiating rights right now, that these exclusive negotiating rights expire before the month is over. I don't have the definitive date, but sometime here in August... My belief is I've not been able to nail this down, but for sake of of this podcast, for for fodder's sake, my sense is it's it's the Strauss group. Daniel E. Strauss, the former limited partner of the Memphis Grizzlies, he tried to ultimately buy out Robert Para, but Para had first right of refusal. He's made his money in in the medical field. You know, mid sixties guy, a New Yorker who's worth you know he's worth a ton of money. 
The question is, who is part of his group? Like I had somebody suggest I need to dig on Meyer Orbach, who's a limited partner right now with the Wolves. Mm-hmm. He would love to be the majority owner of the Wolves. I'm told Glenn isn't likely to go that route. But Orbach has around 20% ownership right now in the Wolves. He's a New York guy. So with Strauss being a New York guy, is there the potential of Strauss and Orbach connecting? I'm also told something we talked about last week, Judd, to not dismiss the Wilfs in this equation. That they're still lurking. I buy that. Yeah, I, yeah that they're I, still... That makes sense. Now, who knows? Maybe something gets completed with this group that has these exclusive negotiating rights. But if it doesn't, I'm just saying at this point... Never say never. Until we have a transaction, never say never on the Will family. No, I, I what I'm about to say is biased because I don't know enough about the New York group that you're referencing. But I think from a fan perspective, the Wolves would be the number one choice. If you're a Timberwolves fan or if you would like to be a Timberwolves fan at some point and the incompetence and the losing have just made it impossible for you, the Wolves have proven to be excellent NFL owners that have put a quality product on the field on a regular basis And most importantly, they don't alienate key figures in the organization. They don't have falling outs with Fran Tarkenton and Chris Carter and Randy Moss. And so I think they'd be wise enough to, if they were to buy the team, I think they'd be wise enough to bring Kevin Garnett into the fold in some capacity and celebrate his career and give him some influence in the organization. So I, without knowing a lot about some of the other groups, Dukes, I just think if you're a Wolves fan... The, the Wolves have proven to be good sports owners over the last 10 years or so. They have. For 15 years. Now, if you're a Wolves fan, you might, like, choice one could potentially be the KG group, right? And Shooter had the note in the Sunday Pioneer Press. He's got some money people in Florida and California. I've heard maybe potentially China. I don't have specific names. But if you're a Wolves fan, I think you like the idea of just KG being involved in some form or fashion. Although, personally, I would not give him personnel control. I don't want him making big-time basketball decisions. Yeah, You know, if he wants to have a say, fine, but I don't want him having final say. But I think if you're a Wolves fan, you want KG involved. But that would be an interesting scenario, Phil, where if the Wolves ultimately end up with the team, you know, KG's group loses out, but finding a way to bring KG into that group. Hmm. Uh, we, we've got a uh, Gopher football schedule as of yesterday, which I believe is now a 10-game conference schedule. Dukes, from the people you talk to, what is the hope that we're actually going to have a season? Because it does strike me as odd that I believe that schedule kicks off approximately one month from now. They're not really practicing yet, or if if they are, it's very um, structured and small stuff. What is the hope that we are actually going to have a Big Ten football season? And if that hope exists, when do you think it really does start? Because a month seems quick. As Mike Grant told me at Eden Prairie High School yesterday, Judd, we just don't know on so many of these things, right? Like, we can speculate, but really, the real answer is, I don't know. Now, they will start training camp tomorrow. Now, they've been doing workouts, so they've been on the field informally, but formally, training camp is scheduled to start tomorrow. P.J. Fleck will either later today or tomorrow, he's scheduled to do some sort of Zoom chat with a few of us, so maybe we'll get more clarity. I think, honest to God, as cliche as this is, Judd, day by day, but you look at, like, Rutgers right now, or Michigan State, or any number of other schools, but specifically those two in the Big Ten, the numbers are alarming. And, yeah, I mean, it's less than a month from now. September 5th. Yeah. The Gophers are supposed to hop on an airplane September 4th. And we don't know that for East the Lansing. Gophers right now, correct? As far as the COVID-19 uh, positives Well, in. yeah, they didn't release the July numbers. I am told 
going back to the numbers they released in June, they didn't go sport by sport, but I'm told football did have some positive tests. Hmm. Think maybe some of the bigger guys. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, give us some give us some rapid fire scoops here. Empty the scoop bag for us, Dukes. Well, on the go for football front, they should find out very, very soon whether they land this big time graduate transfer linebacker, Tony Fields, the second three year starter at Arizona. He's an NFL player. The Gophers are working hard internally. They feel really confident. They should. I mean, they're one of the final three. It's the Gophers, West Virginia, and Texas. Hmm. There is no real connection to Texas. At West Virginia, there's an assistant coach there, the defensive coordinator, who actually recruited Fields to Arizona. So this defensive coordinator knows Fields really well. So there is a strong personal connection, Fields, to this coach at West Virginia, who, by the way, actually spent a year coaching uh, with the Gophers recently. So just, you know, an interesting sidebar there. But I know Joe Rossi and others with the Gophers are working incredibly hard, and there is internal hope that they can land this big-time graduate transfer linebacker. On the Wolves' front, there still is hope that they will get clearance from the NBA guys just to play five-on-five. Five. It wouldn't even be a mandatory minicamp. Like, if you're James Johnson, you're comfortable right now in Miami. If you're James Johnson, you're not flying up here for a minicamp in September, right? I'm just telling you, James Johnson is not coming up here. So it wouldn't be mandatory. A guy like Malik Beasley, who's a restricted free agent, or Hernan Gomez, like you're not likely going to participate in this minicamp. But it would be nice for some of the younger guys, bring up some guys from Iowa. Like right now, it's like a max of two guys on the court at one time. And really, you're not even able to compete against each other at Mayo Clinic Square. It's just it's a coach putting an individual player through a workout, but they're tested daily. And we can debate whether, you know, some people are still waiting to get tested or to get their results back, but the Wolves are able to test daily and get back immediate results. Like, if you can do that, why wouldn't the NBA at least give them clearance to play five-on-five in September at Mayo Clinic Square? We get it. Another bubble is not going to happen. You're not doing a four-team bubble or an eight-team bubble with the eight teams that are not in Orlando, but I do think it makes logical sense for the NBA to eventually allow the Wolves and these other teams that that are not in Orlando to at least scrimmage. So the Wolves hope for that come September. The Wolves had a recent draft interview with McKinley Wright, Champlain Park High School, Colorado. He is now back in Boulder at the University of Colorado, but he got some feedback from the Wolves before deciding to head back to Colorado. Also, on the Gopher basketball front, they should find out very soon on Liam Robbins whether he will be immediately eligible. There is optimism that he will be granted immediate eligibility. Also, Marcus Carr still isn't in town. Jamal Mashburn Jr. isn't in town. Brandon Johnson isn't in town. And David Mutoff is not in town. But the Gophers are not concerned about those four. I mean, those four are training on their own. Otherwise, all Gopher basketball players are in town right now going through workouts. I've heard good things about Gabe Kausher and Booth Gotch. Hmm. That's Darren Doogie Wolfson, our friend from the Go kill those mice, Dukes. News Sports kill Department. Kill those mice. And, I'm working uh, on it. Yeah. Tom and Jerry fan. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. You can find his Scoop podcast every week on Apple, Spotify, and scorenorth.com. And yes, and a new episode should post. i got to record it tomorrow. I've got a conversation with Richard Patino, Jared Vanderbilt of the Timberwolves, Tyrell Terry, local kid who is staying in the NBA draft. I do think he'll be a first-round pick. D. LaSalle kid who played the one year at Stanford. So, yeah, that should post episode 309 sometime on Friday. Nice. Thank you, Doogie. And that's a wrap on this episode of Mackie and Judd. Please give us a five-star rating and a positive review on Apple if you could. It helps spread the word about the show. And remember, our daily Vikings conversations in-depth as part of Purple Daily 
Apple, Spotify, scorenorth.com, and youtube.com slash scorenorth. See you guys tomorrow for Action Movie Rewind Friday. Whether it's Baker's Simple Truth Turkey or Mac and Cheese with Murray's English Cheddar or pie made with fresh Cosmic Crisp apples, there are many dishes we look forward to sharing during the holidays. And Baker's has all the fresh ingredients you need to turn today's holidays into tomorrow's memories. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone.